0: Trump did not win New Hampshire by much, considering he's basically the incumbent. But he did win, and he's so aghast that anyone would dare defy him, he's being, total shock, an awful winner. We'll update you on it, but really, this is now about to be the longest and most grueling general election in history. So we're going to talk about the matchup. In doing so, we'll take a look at the approach President Biden has chosen as he's coming out swinging. But before we do that, we'll have our latest installment of Trump courtroom drama in including the federal gag order, and what happens next in the Georgia case. It's officially beginning to feel like an election year. Yay? Welcome back to the podcast for the 54% of Americans who vote for progress in every election and want to convince their conservative friends and family members to join our majority. This is Majority 54.
1: Well, Jason, Trump won in New Hampshire, obviously. This is basically a head-to-head between him and Nikki Haley. He won As of now, uh, 54.6% of the vote to Nikki Haley's 43%. But as Jeff Berman on the Obama 2008 campaign used to constantly remind us, along with David Plouffe, it's about delegates, not votes. Trump uh, is projected to win at least 12 delegates. looks like Haley will win at least nine. Uh, Haley vowed to fight on uh, in a speech on election night. Let's go to that clip.
2: Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of South Carolina. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. And we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump.
1: So I hear her, yeah. Jason. It, question it's for, over. Yeah, question <laughs> for you question. Do you think by the time this podcast posts, you know we're recording on Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern Time? Do you think by the time it posts on our audio feed tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, she'll still be in the race?
0: I do because I, I think, I don't know, man. It feels, it feels odd to not go ahead and campaign in your home state if you're, even though but, she's going to. But when do you tripped. think
1: if she gets killed? She last poll I saw had her in single digits. Wouldn't you want to avoid that? Yeah. I think think she's going to
0: drop out after South Carolina.
1: No, but wouldn't, Uh, what what I'm saying is why not drop out before to avoid that story? Because
0: what does she have to lose at this point, man? Like she's, she's made her decision about one, you know, she, there's one of two courses to take, right? One is she's going to just go ahead and go down with the ship and try and, you know, Sound the alarms about Donald Trump and truly be an anti-Trump person who's on Team Democracy, and she either stays in the race or drops out and says he can't be president and endorses Biden or whatever, which she's not going to do, unfortunately. Or you're you're going to eventually endorse Trump, right?
1: Yeah, she's already said she will. uh, Right. Drops out. Yeah.
0: So you know, I mean, what's what's the real advantage to? dropping out now versus waiting until after South Carolina. You know, the other thing to think about is she's been making these promises to people in order to raise the money to get to where she is. It's just like campaigns like, a startup. You know, she's in order to have the money to go through New Hampshire, she had to tell people, well, the strategy is we come out of New Hampshire with a strong showing, and then we go into my home state. And I'm sure she's got some internal polls that she was able to use for this narrative that show that there's some lane for her to actually win South Carolina or continue to do well in South Carolina. And then there's probably a part of the narrative that's like, and this is right around the time that his court cases are really going to become time consuming. And when when the electorate's really going to find out about him, and then we get to Super Tuesday, and now you've got a really wide electorate and they're going to realize, oh my God, this guy's going to be convicted. And that's when we make our move. So, you know, I don't, she probably doesn't really fully believe in that, but you've promised a lot of people who you want help from in the future potentially, and who probably have become your friends in this process, that you were going to run that play out. And I think she has yeah. to continue to run that play.
1: So, you know, Super Tuesday is March 5th. I just can't imagine we'll get definitive news by then. But her campaign is, is circulating a memo that points to the fact that South Carolina and a lot of states after it, including some Super Tuesday states, are also states where independents can vote. So they're banking on that. Now, a lot of these are not states with a history of independents crossing over. Uh, we'll get later on to actually the significant independent presence in this electorate, which is the only reason why Nikki Haley was even within that 11 or 12 percent. If it were just Republicans, she would have been absolutely destroyed in this race. So her argument essentially is um, my path to victory in the Republican primary is through non-Republican votes. Uh, that's a convincing argument, is it not, to the, to the GOP <laughs> electorate in other states? <laughs> I'm well, sure not, Republicans appreciate this.
0: It's not a convincing argument to the people who are not going to vote for her in the primary, right? But, yeah. she, but it's, not, it's not unprecedented. I mean, this is how John McCain nearly beat George W. Bush back in mm-hmm. 2000, right? is is independents who are, you know, conservative leaning. I would imagine most of the independents that are voting in this by far are conservative leaning independents. Um and and so you know, it's it's not it's not totally nuts. The other thing to remember here is as our friend David Axelrod likes to put it, the actuarial reality, which is you know, Donald Trump's health could keep him from running at any minute. Right? Yes, I think
1: He's- that's her that's why I think she stays in my theory is if she doesn't drop out, I actually have the view that if she doesn't drop out by South Carolina, given the tremendous cost that the South Carolina loss is going to inflict on her politically, if she doesn't drop out pre-South Carolina, I think she stays in for a long time because it's she's going to wait. Yeah, she's going to wait. She's collecting some delegates. Although one thing that cuts the other way from what her team's memo suggests is that, yes, there are independents who can vote in a lot of these states coming up, but the the Republicans have rigged this process now to make it winner-take-all states in a lot of these. So it's going to be really hard for her to collect delegates moving forward. And and, and when I was on the Obama 2008 campaign, even without a lot of winner-take-all, although there there were some. Those winner-take-all states, by the way, are killer Mm because it's way more common on the Republican side than the Democratic side. i imagine she won't
0: campaign in those which which allows her to dial in her time in the other states but yeah like look let's say um trump has something that where it's it's the kind of health thing where look one he could die two it could be something where it's like hey he can't continue like it's it's physically obvious he can't continue and if that happens you know you don't want to be the person who just dropped out because now you're on even footing with all the others who want to jump back in, with the Desantis's of the world, and you know, and all that. But if you're the one who's still in and you have some delegates, that's different. And and because then what's likely to happen is they're not all going to jump back in because they're going to know like it's only one person is going to come in and be able to to win. If somebody already has delegates, it's probably going to be like Eric or or Trump Jr. or somebody like that, yeah. um, and uh, or Tucker Carlson or whatever. Um, so it it makes sense in that way for her to stand but man what a dreary several weeks she has in front of her not that she doesn't have a dreary several weeks behind her at least it'll be yeah. a little bit warmer
1: <laughs> i i thought she put on a good face in this this uh you, you know this is her second victory speech by the way she hasn't won <laughs> uh, but it's like uh she put on a good faith i thought it was good advance work like all that i was like wow like great energy she went out there now She definitely, I think she accomplished what she needed to in the sense that she drove Trump absolutely nuts. Uh, Let's go to this clip.
3: Renovation. These are very dishonest people and you're always fighting them. And just a little note to Nikki, she's she's not gonna win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already not big reasons, a little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about, but she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been, but he decided to get out. He decided to get out. Now, Vivek, I don't think would be at all because he's perfect, right?
0: Yeah. um, Look, we can talk about what he obviously should have done, right?
1: Um, yeah, he should have done the same thing he did to all other people, which is to be like, you know, kill them with kindness, mm-hmm. welcome her in, give her what they would say is a permission structure, which is another pluffism, give them a, a, a permission structure uh, to, you know, to with dignity, which is, there's a dignity recession on that stage, to be clear, <laughs> but the which I, I do want to talk through. Uh, we got plenty of time here. There's not mm-hmm. actually these are supposed to be the most newsworthy Weeks, and I was honestly struggling to put together a full agenda. So let's let this one breathe a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there's another clip uh, from this same speech where he he was really bothered by Haley and even got to the point of criticizing her dress. Maybe that's this next one. Let's go to this clip.
3: And I said, "Wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. But let's not have somebody." take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was, but Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. You can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't, you just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. What's the dress thing?
1: The dress looked great, by the way. I'm not a fashion person, but I'm... you know, And I know this is like dangerous territory commenting because guys just wear suits. so there's, no, there's Yeah, no it's attention.
0: so much easier. There's just a it's, uniform you put on.
1: Right, right. I, but I, I thought think, she looked great. I actually think that bothers her. In his psychology, the fact that she looked great didn't look bothered at all. Because DeSantis gets up and he's like sweaty and yeah, like he's like clearly Trump. bothered. Yeah, he's clearly bothered when he asked. And we'll get to DeSantis for sure. Everybody <laughs> get ready. But uh DeSantis... In in trying to navigate this whole election and, and his underperformance has looked uncomfortable every step of the way. Haley, I think, is a much better performer. Like she gets up and she looks like this has exactly been the plan all along. Mm-hmm. She's like, Yeah, we'll keep fighting on, you know.
0: It's true. And it also helps that there was never a the person there was the narrative from the beginning was not the alternative to Trump is Nikki Haley. It, it's right. it's always been the alternative to Trump is Ron DeSantis. And I guess also Nikki Haley is running. And so she benefits from that as well. But yeah, she looked very calm and controlled. She also looked, I mean, if we can go back and play the first few like 10 seconds of her clip from before, like she looks and sounds like a politician, right? There's no question. So let's let's just listen to that with that in mind for a second.
2: Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over.
0: Hey, that's good. Because just listen to the cadence, you know, it's the I'm reading a prepared, you know, and it's fine, but it's and that is a lot different from, you know, Trump is like one of the most awful people in the history of people. OK, so I'm, I'm but like the cadence is one that makes you want to listen because the yeah. cadence is. I have no idea what this crazy, you know, wackadoodle is going to say next. But it also feels like he's saying whatever he wants to say.
1: And that's, look, this has been examined by people for too long, but that's a problem. Here's what I would be doing if I were in Biden team. I would commission a poll that is cooked to make it look even more. And I actually don't think this is that hard to do because the data is pretty strong here that Haley would kick Biden's ass and have it as an internal poll, (laughs) leak it, and leak it that the Biden team strategy here, which we'll get to when he's, he's now giving speeches, like it's head to head and all the, the articles are Biden and Trump acknowledge it's head to head now, which on the surface is not smart for Biden. He should make it seem like Trump's still in a primary, but there's a jujitsu move here, which is uh, be like, he does all that publicly, but all the people behind the scenes are like, the reason why Biden is doing this is because he feels very threatened by Haley cuz that'll give Haley something to work with. Uh and it also drive Trump absolutely bonkers.
0: That's true. It's also careful what you wish for. Um but you know, look, that's probably the best thing for the country because look, I do think Haley would have a much stronger chance against yeah. Biden. Um and I'm sure the, you know, the the job of the Biden team is to make sure that they get the best chance to win and it it would it would hurt it, it would make it more likely that the Republicans win. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, I mean, because you got to be careful what you wish for. It could possibly work. I do think it. it anyway, I I uh, I think it's a good point. I but I I think with regard to Haley, what is interesting and the reason that Trump is so upset is because you can talk about it as she lost. You can talk about it as all these things. She got 45 percent of the vote. Yeah, against the guy, you know, one on one against the guy who was president of the United States and she was his ambassador to the U.N. Like. And she got forty five percent of the vote. So he's irritated that she stayed in because it's a problem for him, because now because it's embarrassing for him, right? He this is a guy who when he went back to Mar-a-Lago, he didn't just take documents that you only get to have in the White House. From all reports, he basically recreated the environment of the Oval Office, right? He tried right. to put all the trappings around him that make it seem like he's still president. So the idea that somebody would be running against him for the Republican nomination is he can't fathom it. And, and it makes right. him very angry.
1: Well, and I think part of what is making him angry is that the headlines today are yes, Trump won. But if you look at even the front page of the Wall Street Journal, it's a Murdoch owned publication. The headline is about Trump's problem with independence. Now, uh, the data here is actually really interesting. Trump in New Hampshire, as of now, is carrying 31% of the independent voters, which are about half of the electorate uh, were independent voters. Uh, And in the general election in 2020, he won 37% of. Uh, independence, which is why he lost that election. Now, one could say, well, comparing his primary independent uh, performance to the general is not a great comparison. Actually, correct. the The problem for him, though, is when you ask the independents, will you vote for Trump, 68% of them said they would not vote for Trump in November. Now this is just one state. Now a New Hampshire independent is probably different than a North Carolina independent, an Arizona independent, et cetera. But it's just one data point, an inconvenient narrative for Trump coming out of this. So uh this is a problem for him. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I, I think for Haley, like, look, unless some something major happens, she's not gonna win. Uh, but uh the longer she stays in, the more inconvenient data points are gonna come up, especially with these states where continuously uh, Trump, the the electorate and Trump are going to be reminded that he doesn't do well with independence.
0: Look, the guy is still, she's not going to win and the race is over. And you know, as long as he's uh, able to continue campaigning, but he is still a little concerned about it, which is why we heard him a minute ago, threaten her. I mean, the whole, she'd be investigated by the Biden team thing. No, 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 no. That's him being like, you need to get out of this race because I'm going to be president and I'm going to send the FBI after you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And also, you know, he gets fed oppo. And I'm sure of all the politicians in the history of all the politicians, there's got to be almost nobody who rivals Donald Trump's insatiable appetite for opposition research on his opponents. It's like him and Richard Nixon, probably, um, because that dude, I mean, he just loves to feel better by tearing other people down. Cool. And- what
1: he, he, he has little, no filter. So, what is he alluding to? Like, so if he knows something, right? Like, he he's is like, just, okay. Gossip. what does about he about? From when she was the governor of right. South Carolina. Right. We've all
0: heard the gossip, but none of it is anything. And I think, rightfully, none of it is, from what I know, anything that in, in this uh, day and age in 2024 that anyone's going to consider disqualifying. Yeah, she's um, a
1: woman though, so I feel like, like, let's pretend, yeah, and this is—we have no reason true. to think this is true. Like, let's say she cheated on her husband or something. Which and is I'd the rather,
0: gossip? Which is unfair gossip, and it's it, what he's—it's what he's—he's he's threatening to make his campaign about it.
1: Right, like the absurdity that that would be a disqualifier, but it is. She's playing by a different set of rules than he's playing by. Unfortunately, that's the this that's is the true. reality of running against Donald Trump. Like, let's pretend Joe Biden cheated on Jill Biden. Like he doesn't even have the sexism issue, but for some, we, we just have a different set of rules for Trump. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and in part because his his brand is that he doesn't give enough, whereas a lot of other people are running on their, you know, their ethics is baked into why we like them. So they pay more of steep of a that's price, true. you know? Um, that's well, true. To,
0: but I just, I, I just don't think, I don't know. I, I don't think that's the kind of thing that it, it, I just don't think it plays like it used to play. Right. Um,
1: well, let's, yeah. let's actually go to, uh, we talked about this sort of, um, what did I call it? Uh, the deficit of uh, dignity that we have on yeah. the stage. Uh, there was a really awkward moment involving Tim Scott. Let's go to this
3: clip. Did you ever think that she actually appointed you, Tim? <laughs> and think of it, appointed and you're the senator of his state. And she endorsed me. You must really hate her. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh oh. I just love you. No, that's that's why he's a great politician. That's why he's a great politician.
0: So I think I understand what he's saying. What he's saying is that Nikki Haley, what appointed I think to his yeah. original coming I in mean, appointed Tim Scott as senator when she was governor, and then. Endor- but she- and is he saying she he endorsed meant Trump him- last time? He
1: meant-, he meant Tim endorsed Trump, not ah, okay. Haley.
0: Yeah. Uh, and hey, and-, and Scott is just there being like, man, I don't want our friend Steven Weber, who's been on the show, had uh, last night had a tremendous uh, tweet where he said a lot of Republican elected officials tonight will issue statements pledging their loyalty and their support for Donald Trump and then go to bed praying that he dies <laughs> which yep. is stark but true and tim scott is one of you know i'm not saying he's praying for that but tim scott is wishing that he was not the nominee of the party and is standing on that stage because that's what tim scott has to do i guess to get reelected eventually in south carolina
1: well he's he's and, playing a way more he's he's going beyond that he wants to be vice president uh, yeah because he's in the speculation now true. so he's He's going beyond the political survival, and he's an ambitious politician who, you know, we, we in the moments like this we get to find out what your principles are, and I think what we've learned about Tim Scott is that he doesn't have any.
0: And we get to be reminded that Donald Trump doesn't just require that you support him or that you show love, he requires that you humiliate yourself for him. Yeah. And, and that and that he will do it for you. I mean, to stand there on the stage and to note, clearly Tim Scott and Nikki Haley have had a friendly relationship, at least in the past, if not, you know, probably not at the moment, but you know and to 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 basically be like and now you in front of all these people will disavow that and i'm going to do it on your behalf and then the only way sort of out of that is for him to come out and say to this big boy i just love you like man that is you're like a hostage man i mean it's well okay sad.
1: you know where this is the playbook here is so when saddam hussein first took power in iraq he brought all the baathist leaders into an auditorium i don't know if you've ever seen this clip he Mm-mm. brings them all into an auditorium and then he randomly selects people in the audience and accuses them of treason. And one by one, he, they march them outside. So everybody is sitting around uh, and, and, and maybe Jeremy says he's seen it, so maybe he'll be able to pull it up in time. But one by one, he marches people uh, to the back, right? And, but everybody's sitting in the auditorium just waiting. It could be me or whatever, right? Now, that's not the genius, evil genius of this whole thing. The evil genius of the whole thing was that once he had picked whatever random people he needed to pick, he had everybody else go back and shoot the people who he selected. So what he basically can did not, was-
0: Can we not play that? No, we're
1: not going to play that. We're <laughs> going to play that. a different podcast. Uh, yeah. The, but, but the genius of that, which Trump gets, is you get everybody in on it. Uh, now everybody's Ugh, hands are dirty. Uh, and that's what he's doing with Scott. Uh, yeah. and, he, and some people are more willing than others, right? Like the Baghdad Bob of this situation is Vivek Ramaswamy. He's you know, you know, tripping over himself to attack mm-hmm. Nikki Haley. Uh, but you could see Scott is one of those guys who needed a little bit of extra prodding, but not much. Like he was laughing. Remember, before the uncomfortable moment when he was hitting Nikki Haley, Scott was behind him laughing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, his hands are not clean.
0: Yeah, well, okay. speaking of people whose hands are not clean and who one last one last clip of somebody debasing themselves, let's go ahead. And uh, and I think we have a clip of of Ron DeSantis, you know, giving in uh, as a hostage here.
4: We don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100 percent of my promises and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. While well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over.
0: Uh, You know, another great Stephen Weber, I think it was Steven tweet about this was that the poor people of Florida had to go through several years Of being treated like, you know, just at the whims of Ron DeSantis as he campaigned for president so that he could drop out immediately after the Iowa caucus and endorse Donald Trump. Like, what a waste, man, of all the stuff he put people through in Florida for this.
1: And it was a tepid endorsement. And as we'll get to after this ad break, DeSantis took one deep breath and immediately started messing with trump again (laughs) Mm -hmm. so uh we'll we'll take a look at that uh and we'll do another installment of trump legal when we come back from the ad break
0: Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, Folate and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's non GMO, vegan, dairy free, allergy free, gelatin free, nut free, and everything else you can imagine. Hiya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. It's also fun to say hiya. As you know, I'm a father and I'm always on the lookout for the best possible vitamins for my child to take. I'm so happy I've come across Hiya Health. The ingredients are amazing and I don't have to worry about sugar or gummy junk because. Hiya Health is made without that stuff and it's still able to keep that great taste. We've worked out a special deal with Hiya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to hiyahealth.com/majority. This deal is not available on the regular website, so go to H I Y A H E A L T H dot com slash majority and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults heart health and staying healthy especially when you have family friends or loved ones that you want to be able to spend as much time with as possible is so so important february is heart health month in the united states and more than half the population would still benefit from blood pressure support superbeats heart shoes are the number one doctor pharmacist and cardiologist recommended way to support healthy blood pressure and they even promote heart healthy energy without the stimulants paired with a healthy lifestyle the antioxidants and superbeats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone and with over 40,000 5 five-star reviews and counting people are raving about superbeats heart shoes superbeats heart shoes are absolutely delicious and they're truly much better than any alternative supplements out there. I take my Super Beats Heart Shoes each morning and it's really helped kickstart my day. After taking my Super Beats Heart Shoes, I feel like I have more energy. I'm ready to take on the day. Super Beats Heart Shoes support healthy circulation so you not only get blood pressure support, you also get productive, heart-healthy energy without the crash. Support your heart health with Super Beats Heart Shoes. Get a free month supply of Super Beats Heart Shoes on all bundles and a free full-size bag of turmeric chews valued at $25 with your order by going to majority54beats.com get this exclusive offer only at majority54beats.com
1: All right Jason, it's time uh, another installment of Trump Legal. <laughs> I live for that. Uh so this is a little bit of a blend here, but uh state senator uh Ileana Garcia who's a Miami Republican Uh, has filed a bill that would allow the state of Florida to hand up to $5 million to Trump for his legal fight. This was immediately endorsed by Jimmy Petronas, the state's Republican chief financial officer uh, who had apparently for months been calling for something like this. But late Monday night, Garcia announced that she would withdraw her bill. This came less than two hours after DeSantis publicly posted on Twitter, X, uh, that he did not support the measure. And this is what he said, quote, this bill was filed on January 5th amidst a crowded primary, including two Florida residents. My concern was the political weaponization against conservative candidates. Uh, And it was kind of a mealy-mouthed answer from him. But reading the tea leaves here, Jason, I think he might still be a little bit butthurt over his loss in this primary. Right move. Right move to be clear to veto yeah. and to veto, like to be clear. Uh, yes. <laughs> need this to say. <laughs> if right
0: after you drop out of the presidential race isn't the time to start doing things based on what is good government, then when is Robbie? Like yeah. when? I mean, it's certainly not before. Like anyway, right. that's and yeah, I think he's got no motivation to to help Trump in this. And but it is maybe a bridge too far. Anyway, like the idea of we're gonna have taxpayers uh you know pay for trump i mean it's ridiculous um you know that i also saw where he uh, we don't have the clip but i saw where he gave an interview where he was just like look there's a lot of problems that uh trump is going to run into because he was he was given a bunch of poll numbers to respond to um, yeah. and i think it was the stuff we were talking earlier about trump struggling with independent voters um so i think look i i think Desantis's uh endorsement is basically like look you all know i have to he literally said, "I signed a pledge." Yes,
1: um, that is. <laughs> that is.
0: Yeah. But he doesn't want to be held responsible for it, right. um, which you know he probably won't be because people aren't held responsible for those sort of things anymore. It's hard so, to say
1: honestly. Yeah, it's also it hard, hard to say, like, because let's say he wants to run for Senate or something. It's like the mm-hmm. GOP primary is so nuts. That like, who knows, like he runs for state Senate and Matt Gates runs against him, but Matt Gates is more pure with the MAGA base. Like, who knows, maybe Gates could beat him just based on that credential alone. It's I mean,
0: funny because there's a limited set of circumstances under which you can use the term more pure and refer to Matt Gates, but that's definitely one of them. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no question about it. So, all right. With that said, go on to the rest of the legal update here.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's not the busiest week in Trump legal, but the D.C. Circuit uh, upheld the gag order. I mean there are multiple gag orders to be clear here, but upheld a gag order against Trump, um, and basically they def- declined an effort by Trump's camp to challenge this gag order. Um, and uh, this is going to inevitably go to the Supreme Court. Uh, so that's probably like the most like notable item I think. Uh, from a procedural perspective, I would say the thing that I've, I think is most important in the Trump legal world is not a fun story, which is uh, in the- Fulton- well, Actually, before oh, yeah. before
0: we go to that, can I talk about the gag order for a second? Yeah, go for it. Here's, here's the political problem on the gag on the gag order. It's not as simple as what you would think. It's not as simple as, hey, he's gonna be taking incoming as this court case moves along. And obviously he wants to respond to that in the court of public opinion. Uh, or he wants to you know use his bully pulpit to try and influence juries and judges like that is obviously part of it but the other thing about a gag order is there's no gag order on his critics so that means that as things develop in the case against him in the federal case there's nothing to stop joe biden from talking about those things now it's likely that joe biden won't because he's going to look at it as well this is a even though it's a special counsel it's still a federal government case against donald trump and i am the president but everybody else can talk about it so if trump abides by the gag order he's sort of leaving himself you know he's sort of in his view disarming in the court of public opinion because everybody else will be able to talk about what's going on in court and and he really wouldn't but if he violates the gag order He worsens the problem of everybody talking about what's going on in court, obviously, because he's talking about it, but also because he may end up in contempt of court. He could even end up, you know, possibly behind bars or under house arrest as a result or getting fined further. So it is a real pickle that he has designed for himself. And I can see why There, in addition to him being a a bloviating jerk, who is the kind of person who would say awful things about a judge in their own criminal defense. uh, He's also a guy who has a motivation to talk about the case.
1: Yeah, uh, and he has a history of a witness intimidation uh, right. and tampering. So this is a guy who has earned his gag order, I would say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, This uh, the thing that's keeping me up at night here is this Fulton County situation. Fonnie Willis um, is now being accused of having an inappropriate relationship with a special prosecutor she hired uh, that, who was part of the case against Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, this is a messy situation. Um, there, there doesn't appear to be proof at the moment, but this surfaced in a divorce case against said prosecutor, and there are mechanisms where uh, she could be removed and replaced by somebody of um, the choosing of the prosecuting attorney's counsel in Georgia, which I can't imagine as a fairly liberal organization, right? Uh, I mean, it's,
0: it's it's possible that they put somebody in there who just drops the charges.
1: Yes, although there is, I mean, in a no, in the normal course of things, it would have to be somebody who comes from a, or it would be likely if it wasn't a politicized case, it would be she would be replaced by somebody who, uh. Also runs a big city prosecutor's office like Atlanta or something, right? Now, I don't know a lot about Georgia and the sort of independence, political independence of the prosecutors, but I, uh, I this can't be good. Like, yeah, yeah they're, look, they're local
0: elected officials in a state where the majority, uh, like you know, if it's done by county, the majority of the counties are rural counties that voted for Trump, right? If you're just going by county, it's not population, yeah. So now that said there's not a lot of grounds to have her recuse herself, right? Because if you take this out to its um, to like its worst conclusion, if you assume the worst in every case, all you get to is, is that this individual would have gotten special treatment to get the assignment because of the relationship. It is a stretch upon stretches to get to the point where the case would not have been brought, but yeah. for the relationship.
1: Here, Here's what I don't know though. Uh, And I I watched the mayor of Nashville, Megan Barry, have to resign because she was accused credibly and wound up admitting to having an affair with her security detail officer and then traveling with him and basically using government resources to go on trips, which is essentially the allegation against Willis, which has not been proven, to be clear. But if it were proven or established, she would have to resign. And I have no idea what happens after that. Uh, because that, independent of this case, mm-hmm. is the kind of thing you resign for. Uh, so that is what is freaking me out a little bit about this. Because I mean, maybe that's even a better scenario than her being removed from this case only. Right? Uh, I don't yeah. really know. I don't.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But I think. I think the most likely, as you you put in the notes here, um, as Norm Eisen, um, who Norms. A, Great guy. I've worked with him on some things. Have you
1: ever worked with Norm? I do, know Norm. Norm, because I was in when I used to run the fundraising for Mid Atlantic for Obama with Shamir. Okay, Norm was one of our guys.
0: He is a, what you might refer to as an irrepressible personality. Yes, um, and, <laughs> he called he a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: totally off, at all fun.
0: hours, at all yeah. hours. Um, and uh, Norm, who, if people aren't familiar, he was President Barack Obama's ethics czar, and what he talked about was that look, that he said there's. No, there's no legal basis under Georgia law for either Willis, the prosecutor, or the special prosecutor that you know that she's brought in Wade to be disqualified. But he made a good point. He said that the wise thing to do would be for Wade, the one who was appointed, to voluntarily end his time on the case. And I, I think that does make sense. If the entire thing, uh, you know, orbits around the idea that he got the position of being the prosecutor on the case because of the relationship. Well, if he removes himself, you take a lot of heat out of it. Not all of it. I mean, because look, we know that the Mager world is still going to make it into something it's not. I mean, by the end of this, no matter what she does, the Mager world is going to make it into like. I don't even want, I mean, I don't even want to put it out in the universe, but it's going to be that the only reason the case even exists is because of some sort of sexual perversion. It'll be, you know, and who knows which direction they'll go with it. But for the actual reality living world, that would probably make a big difference.
1: Yeah. It's a mess. Uh, And I'm hoping, I'm hoping she didn't do what they're accusing her of doing. Um, And if she did, uh, I hope that they, they don't try to like the cover ups always worse than the crime about this kind of stuff so it's like if if they did do whatever like the key is to just own up to it and take decisive action whatever that would be uh and hopefully i mean there are degradations of this right there could just have been an affair and it's it's a there are, there are issues but they didn't use resources um to travel or whatever it would still be an issue because she hired this person and that 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 is an issue right but and then mm-hmm. there's you know, there's all sorts of it or it could have predated or whatever and it becomes a workplace policy violation whatever it, either it's it's not great <laughs> this is my point yeah. if there's any fire to the smoke uh let's take a break and when we come back we're gonna size up the what's in, likely to be the longest nastiest election general election in history between Trump and Biden and we're gonna kind of handicap the race as objectively as we possibly can when we come back. I'm always
0: on the lookout for immune strength during cold and flu season. I just discovered an incredible product, arm colostrum. Now my immune health has never been stronger. I recently began using arm colostrum because I need something to help strengthen my gut barrier, protecting against toxins, chemicals, and pollutants that drive inflammation. Colostrum, anybody who's had kids knows, is the first nutrition that we receive in life. And it's an exclusive source of all the essential nutrients that we need in order to thrive. Armrock colostrum is sustainably sourced and is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside suit of armor and first line of defense against harmful particles from the environment that can trigger inflammation and make you sick. Armrock colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance and powers fitness performance and recovery. Armrock colostrum strengthens all four layers of your gut wall where 80% of your immune cells are housed when the immune barriers of your gut are compromised you are left vulnerable the body's gut wall system is your critical line of defense against particles from the environment that can make you sick arm colostrum strengthens all four layers of the gut wall system naturally optimizing your microbiome fortifying your gut wall architecture and replenishing your army of immune cells securing your highest integrity gut health and immune defense it's a rich exclusive source of immunoglobulins which are antibodies that optimize your immune defense during cold and flu season. I take 3 to 4 scoops of Armrod colostrum a day. You can increase it as desired for amplified defense and as a whole food there's no such thing as too much. We've worked out a special offer for our audience. You receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmrod.com/majority or enter majority to get 15% off your first order. That's t r y a r m r a .com/majority.
1: Start the new year knowing you found the right life insurance to protect your family with Policy Genius. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind for the rest of 2024 and beyond. So, if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. And luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help talk through that with you. I've had life insurance for a long time, uh, and it honestly helps me sleep better at night knowing that if anything were to happen to me, my family could take care of themselves. And the PolicyGenius technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. And With PolicyGenius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 a year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical expenses. They have licensed award-winning agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs, and they work for you, not the insurance companies. And that means that they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over the other so you can trust their guidance. No wonder that thousands of five-star reviews are on Google and Trustpilot. You could save time and money and provide your family with the financial safety net they need using PolicyGenius. So head to policygenius slash majority or click on the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com slash majority. All right, Biden versus Trump, Jason. It's, it's essentially official at this point, and it's going to be a long, rough, nasty race. And The Economist put out a, an article uh, that I thought uh, helpfully captured some key data. Like, I mean, nobody's going to be sitting around like being objective about this, right? But like, just what kind of fact base are we working with? Essentially, is what the Economist tried to answer. And the the picture looks decent for Biden when you look at a head to head comparison. Now, the head to head comparison isn't who has the um, the ethics and the the sort of composure and the leadership skills. And the team around him, and the expertise, and the stability—none of that. But just like, what is the raw data on the U.S. economy and other key measures? And when you look at Biden versus Trump, under Biden, uh, the S&P 500 is the highest it's ever been. The deficit under Biden, which is supposed to be a Republican issue, is smaller as a share of GDP than it was under Republicans. Prime-age employment is better than at any time during Trump's presidency. There's a massive increase in renewable energy production, and record oil production. So the US is as energy independent than it has ever been in the history of the United States. And the homicide rate has declined each of the past two years, right? So if you look at issues, even issues that the Republicans are supposed to be good at, the deficit, um, oil production, energy independence, crime, Biden's doing extremely well compared to Trump. And it's up to us to make that argument. Uh, The Economist scored one draw, it appears, which is earnings. Um, which basically is just a continuation of the trend line. If you take the COVID pandemic out of, out of the picture, it's a, uh, a continuation of the trend line from Trump to Biden. And uh, the area they dinged Biden, the two areas that they really dinged Biden on was inflation, uh, which obviously has been a huge issue. Uh, now, it's important to note that they passed two massive spending bills and tax cut bills under Trump that contributed to inflation. And uh, he pressured the Fed to keep the uh, interest rates low before the pandemic, at the time when we really should have been ratcheting up so that we could have calibrated back down. They also hit Biden on illegal immigration, uh, which has spiked, at least if you look at encounters at the border uh, under Biden. Uh, But by and large, Biden comes out ahead even under the economists sort of objective take here. And I think he's got a lot of of data to work with at this stage.
0: Interestingly, you take all that stuff uh, and what you end up coming out with uh, is that um, the race is going to be about abortion <laughs> um, so let's let's go ahead and just jump to that clip
5: We've got a couple more of these i think
2: the
5: so do the majority of americans and they still do We all know what happened a year and a half ago. The new Supreme Court made an extreme decision overturning Roe v. Wade with their, with their Dobbs decision. But as long as I have the power of the presidency, know this, if Congress are to pass a national abortion ban, I will veto it. I will veto it. But look, and let there be no mistake, The person most responsible for taking away this freedom in America is Donald Trump. (laughs) Listen, listen, Listen to what he says. Trump says he's proud that he overturned Roe v. Wade. He said, and I quote, there has to be punishment for the women exercising the reproductive freedom. He describes the Dobbs decision as a miracle, but for American women, it's a nightmare.
0: I wanted to go there because everything you talked about is what I think Joe Biden would love to make the election about, right? He spent the last, you know, almost four years now, I guess the last three years, very focused on, you know, trying to get the economy to come back from COVID, trying to, you know, doing all sorts of things that have been really good for the country, and then working on getting inflation back down. And he's been successful with a lot of that stuff. There've obviously been hiccups like Afghanistan. Hiccup is an understatement there. but, but. I'm sure that the Biden administration rightfully is very proud of their economic record and their record on a lot of other things as well. And The way that they've handled Ukraine, the way that they, at least so far, navigated, no matter which side of it you're on, an incredibly difficult diplomatic uh, situation when, when it comes to Israel and Gaza. Now, I'm sure there are people on both ends who totally disagree with that statement, but either way, if you ask voters, for the most part, people think he's done a really good job on all of those things. And at the end of the day, I think rightfully the election is probably going to come down to something not that far off from what it came down to last time, which is rights and freedoms and and the continuation of democracy. And I would include within that, particularly the rights and freedoms part, um, you know, the fact that as he just said there, that Trump is very proud to have been the one who killed Roe v. Wade. And what I think is interesting, and we'll play this next clip in a moment from this same. Uh, event that Biden just did is that they are from the very start not exclusively making this about abortion in the conventional way that people think about that issue in this country. What they are doing is they are making it very clear that the wide-ranging effects of this sort of purely ideological uh, way of governing is that it, it can is that it can really, really uh, cause all all sorts of problems um, that people who you know there's plenty of people who may not be moved by the abortion issue right maybe they're older maybe they're maybe they don't have kids that are that age um they're men likely in a lot of cases people who don't feel like that's an issue that directly affects them and to make sure that people understand that you don't have to be in this one group of people who are pro-choice and who you know have somebody close to them or them themselves who could be affected by it that that it's a much wider issue than you might expect and so with that we'll, we'll go to this woman amanda soroski uh who I, I think that's how you pronounce her name who just before this clip starts she talked about how she and her husband were expecting um a a baby and and then they found out not long before she was uh, due uh tragically you know what a lot of couples have had to deal with which is that the baby wasn't going to make it and that it was going to be Uh, stillborn, and then went went through what she describes here.
4: After stabilizing my vitals enough to deliver our baby, Willow, I crashed again with another bout of sepsis and was transferred to the ICU. I lived. Others wouldn't be so lucky. What I went through was nothing short of barbaric, and it didn't need to happen. But it did because of Donald Trump. Over and over again, Donald Trump brags about killing Roe v. Wade. It is unthinkable to me that anyone could cheer on these abortion bans that nearly took my life. That's why we need to reelect President Biden and Vice President Harris.
0: So the piece of context that I forgot to include prior to playing that clip is that uh, under any normal circumstances, being able to you know, take action that wouldn't threaten her life would have been perfectly legal and no doctors... I mean, it would not have even been thought about. This, this pregnancy is not going to make it. This, this, we're not going to have a child at the end of this pregnancy. So for the life of the mother, we are going to do what I guess medically is an abortion so, and, then, and then be able to treat the mother. But because, because uh, the law had just changed, they weren't able to do that. And as a result, she almost died. And as she points out, a lot of other people in that same situation wouldn't make it or haven't made it. Um, and, and now we just found out, Salty just put in the chat for us that this just broke, uh, that President Biden has invited Kate Cox, the Texas woman who was denied an emergency abortion by the state Supreme Court in December to be a guest at the State of the Union. That was just announced. So if there's any doubt about the Biden, about the Biden campaign's willingness, and about President Biden's administration to lean into this uh, and make this a really important argument as it should be, I think that pretty well removes it, is we're going to put it in the state of the union.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence about this. I mean, I'm not on the fence about this being a really important part of the pitch. I'm on the fence about what percentage it should be of the pitch, right? I'm kind of like, I don't really have a strong opinion about it yet. I know it has to be clear, right? Because one thing we can't do, we know it's a potent issue. We know it's an important issue, both morally and politically. We know that Trump is going, even though he has said some very damning things even recently about taking credit um, for uh, the Dobbs decision, that he will attempt as as he gets close to the general election to confuse voters about this. So we have to be clear about that. The question I have in my head is what else he has to be saying, Biden, and what percentage of what he is saying it should be? And can he thread it all together in one narrative, right? Can you take reproductive freedom in an almost like a Jared Polis-esque way, like expand freedom uh, into a story, right, about who Mm -hmm. Biden is as president and the world that he's fighting for? Uh, That is the gold standard. One thing worth mentioning, though, about this this rally, was that he was interrupted, Biden, 14 times by pro-Palestinian protesters, 14 times, I've, I used to do advance, 14 is an unheard of amount of interruptions in a speech. And I suspect that these four more years chance that we saw, and when Biden's like, oh, we got it, I think we're going to have a few more of these, I think he meant interruptions. Mm-hmm, and this yeah. is something we should be tracking as he goes around the country. Is that, is there going to be um, a continued problem for him? And now, you know, these Project Veritas type people, are they now going to start infiltrating these rallies? I'm not saying that's what this was. like. Obviously, there is a legitimate debate going on within the left about Biden's policy on Israel and Palestine, right? Stipulated. But we know the right. Now, are they going to start infiltrating these rallies? and starting to disrupt them and sow division? I think the answer is absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you treat these protesters like right-wing operatives, but this is just something we should be tracking because it is going to continue to be an inconvenience for Biden and something that uh, is gonna be part of the conversation.
0: It's also why I think the answer to the question you posed at the beginning of that is a big part. The, his argument on uh, Roe should be a big part of the campaign one because it's one of the few issues that pretty much every Democrat agrees on, and and even if even if you are in that small group of Democrats that weren't fully with the party on this, th- it is it has been so extreme that I think everybody agrees uh, that there there should be some form of reproductive choice. Everybody in the party, so it's super important for uniting the party. I also think that it is, uh, and you're this is what you're talking about. It is a a symbol for everything that is a threat about a second Trump administration, which is the rollback of freedom, um, the authoritarian bent, which is like an understatement uh, of Trump. So I think, I think it is a way into all of that without having to constantly... Now you're still gonna talk about uh, the threats to democracy, that everything he wants to do to make it harder to vote, all the rights that he wants to take, take away, that the way he wants to investigate, uh, fire, prosecute people who have not been loyal to him, but this is sort of a shorthand for all yeah. of that, um, and yeah. uh, I think it's important.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a speech Biden could give, right, where he says, "Look, you you could play a clip of Trump saying that all the economic progress that Biden has made is somehow a result of Trump's decisions, right?" And you could say, "All right, let's let's talk about the legacy of Trump and what we live with today from Trump, right?" He wants to take credit for the economy. Well, he's taking credit for other things. He's taking credit for Roe versus Wade. Uh, he, you know, he he should take credit for this border too, because Biden had to deal with all this continued temporary restrictions, uh, mm-hmm. border Title Forty Two, et cetera. Biden is trying to have a permanent. Um, you know, I always say "permanent solution" is such a bad phrase, but a like a set of <laughs> solutions to the border that live on, that endure. Right? You could he could have a little bit of a rift to be like, all right, let's talk about it. Even Afghanistan, which like he, if Biden really, because I am I I like you think that there's that there's so much going on with it. like Afghanistan was a window uh, into this period that we're in now. It is it is the exact point at which Biden started to get into trouble. Right. You could talk about things like inflation for example to be like, all right, like this guy wants to pick and choose what sort of after effects of his presidency and we can talk with clarity as to why inflation was bad because of choices Trump made. Why uh what like this woman like Sorowski um were pushed into untenable situations because of choices that Trump makes and we can even hear him talking about it. Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's some speeches like that that we can give. Uh, It's the through line.
0: That's what you're talking about. I think it's totally right. All right. Before we, before we wrap up here, let's quickly, I mean, for me, I just wanted to observe the fact that, you know, it broke today that uh, Jon Stewart's going to go back and host the daily show again on Mondays. I don't think this is going to be the most groundbreaking thing in the election. I just wanted to mention it because I I just, you know, there are a lot of vets you'll talk to who particularly about the way uh, Jon Stewart dealt with, uh, you know, the invasion of Iraq and the coverage of it, and like that he was a, he was a real, and particularly the way he handled like the lack of, of good equipment and armor that was sent over in the initial push in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, there's a lot of vets uh, who still remember that and really appreciate it, not to, not to mention the way he's, he's fought for, for vets and for 9-11 responders and people like that. So I think it's a, it's a great thing, and I'm glad that he's getting back into the mix in that way.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a Staten Islander, he he also fought for 9 uh, 11 first responders. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's an important voice. It'll be interesting to see how he adapts, both as he's older now uh, and this is a new media environment. It used to be that his mm-hmm. clips were like the original viral clips. Now he's yeah. competing with so many others. So the question is, what kind of reach can he have? He also has a lot of respect in the alternative media environment uh in a way that few people on the left do in part because he was a bit more skeptical on covid policies and he's skeptical he is he's more populist and his bent uh so it'll be interesting to see how he navigates this period of time uh I think it's unquestionably a welcome development and mm-hmm. uh yeah and you know, in a weird way, like I was, I, I watch a lot of Oliver clips, and I think Oliver has been painted uh, as this sort of elite, sort of out of touch guy, and, and whether fairly or unfairly, in a way that that Stewart somehow sidestepped. I'll be interested to Sometimes see. Sometimes it. it's
0: just a question of accent, man. I mean, that's how yeah. people just, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I I don't have a theory about it yet. Um, I I do think that Oliver has the EO. This is a whole different segment, but Oliver, I think these big essay segments that he does, I think are a little bit less accessible. Um They're, they're interesting. I find them interesting mm-hmm. what he chooses to cover or not. And he does deep dives on things uh that I think a lot of other people wouldn't do, but I think he's kind of like, apparently Musk is obsessed with John Oliver. I just realized this and like, yeah. I just, it's, we live in strange times. Um yeah strange obsessed in a bad way
0: shout out to uh taylor k phillips who grew up on my uh, on my street and is a writer on john oliver's show and just won an emmy i know she she listens so um all right quick grab an oar before we get to one for us i'm going to repeat the one from last week which is uh if you're in kansas city uh we are doing an event, it is myself, my wife, the Raufi family, which is the family um, that uh, we were able to um, bring here from Afghanistan, it's my translator's family, um, and, uh, and who, uh, you know, JVS, Jewish Vocational Services of Kansas City, resettled uh, here in Kansas City, and they've been crucial to, to all of this work. We're doing, with the Raufi family, a fundraiser for them here in Kansas City on February 8th. Uh, it's going to be at the chamber room at Union Station from 6.30 to eight. Um, we'll again, put the link uh, in the show notes. Um, it's not an expensive event to go to. Um, and, uh, and, the, the, and so go to the description uh, in the show notes. Um, and, and, and so we, we would love to see you there. We are also working on, uh, I think, a possible live stream of this, but so I'll update everybody on that. Um, Amazing. With that said, uh, the one for us, Ravi, I'll let you choose what you would like to talk about.
1: Yeah, not not much going on in my world this week. I, I don't have anything to talk about, really. Uh, for those,
0: you know this, I'm you know not going to make works. you talk about it. You know how I just feel like you a lot of works. people probably were anticipating it. I, I will just say to everybody that an important part of my friendship with Ravi is when things transpire between the chiefs and the bills, or even when things transpire for the bills that aren't good. I just give Ravi his space because it's rough enough. I don't talk smack about it. People might assume that I do or that we do. I really don't. And we'll just leave it at that. People can assume whatever happened. It's I mostly painful. just feel bad when things like that. Oh, I feel too good, painful. but I feel bad for Ravi. So Ravi it's, will go the next I, wish I had something. weeks. I know the audience
1: happened. wants me to talk about it. I just cannot. He I, truly
0: cannot. It's not a refusal. He can't. It's.
1: I he, actually he can't do it. I actually have like these elaborate coping mechanisms that are a very small version of what people who go through real trauma must do, which is I throw up these like incredible walls that, unless I'm forced, like I, I go on YouTube and like in the lead up to all this, I'm watching all these YouTube videos of the, of the bills. Um, but now my algorithm's feeding into me and they're like, they're, they're piercing this elaborate system I have. So I had to yeah. go through YouTube and like, basically explain to YouTube that I don't want any more videos of the build. So I basically have like shut out all possible messaging that goes on. And whenever friends or anybody try to talk to me about it, I just don't acknowledge it at all. And this will go on for a while uh, until probably the spring during draft week, which is usually my ritual, which is I, I start to believe again during draft week. And that starts the cycle all over again. Um, although this is, I I'm really embrace I had a lot of questions after this, this one, which is just like, it's just, is it worth it? It's, <laughs> is that worth it? it's just well, so painful.
0: I wanted to address it because a lot of people, I think, I saw a lot of people on social media being like, oh my gosh, after this, will they be able to talk to each other on majority 54? And, and I think people don't understand the nature yeah. of our relationship with regard to this, which is It's so one-sided that it's just, uh, there's no trash talk. It's just It's also like, like if they saw our text exchange during the game, it's just very polite and like, it's quite a game. It's also, you and I
1: don't control it, right? It's not (laughs) like when I played my buddy at the Vita Open and we're playing tennis and we're 100% in control outside of the obvious cheating, which we all know happened around that event. The, like, there's, there's, it's in your control. The weird thing about this, and this is like the sort of meditative practice I've gone through over the years with the Bills, is like, I have no control over it. So it's actually the most irrational thing to get upset over it because I cannot do a thing. Like, no matter how hard I root for them, it will not change the kinds of things that have happened. Uh, and, you know, maybe one day I could become a billionaire and buy them and have some impact on this team. But until then, uh, I have no control, so I have to relinquish any sense of sorrow over this. Yeah, that's
0: all there is to say about that. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, You can follow us on social media. Ravi is everywhere at Ravi M. Gupta, and I am everywhere at Jason Kander. Thank you to the Midas Mighty. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today.